Isn't it fun to creep out people you don't even know by hugging them till they can't breathe? That's so much fun. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. Your word gives us hope. Your word helps us make adjustments. So, Lord, honor your word today. Change our lives in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. During the Revelation chapter 17, we have been out of our study of Revelation for a little bit. We kind of go back and forth, but we're in chapter 17 this week, and it's the scarlet woman. Say that, please. The scarlet woman and the scarlet beast. Now, I just want to make sure I communicate what our vision is, what our values are. We talked about that last week, and what is the mission of Church of the Savior? And so here's what it is, and four kind of points. We want to engage people. Everyone said engage people with the gospel. We, we, we meet people. We talk to people. We attempt to initiate relationships because people need Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, we have to reach out to people. And then next, we connect people. Everyone say connect people. We want to connect people to Jesus, and we want to connect people to the church. If someone doesn't, if someone receives Christ and they don't find a church family, they're just not going to do well. <clears throat> the people I've led to Christ over all these years, if I could get them in church <clears throat> and they could be a part of our family, they could learn how to walk with Jesus. But I, if I couldn't get them in church, they just wouldn't do well because <clears throat> the world has too big a pull on all of us. You need family. Everyone needs family. And then we want to equip people, say equip people, to walk with Jesus. I mean, there's a steep learning curve in the spiritual realm. We spent two weeks just how to read the Bible. Most people have grown up in church and no one's ever told them how to read the Bible. And so we like equipping people. Starting in February, we'll be training people how to lead people to Christ because you just don't learn that unless someone kind of helps you do that. And then we want to send people, say send people, into the harvest of the Great Commission. Every one of us. How many of you have a calling on your life? Hold your hand up. That should be every one of us. Hold your hand up. You're on the planet because Jesus has something for you to do. And you have unique gifts. I don't have. You're one of a kind. And you're made in the image of the Lord. And he loves us and cares for us. And you could reach people that, that would never even talk to me. And so we want to, when we take our last breath, we want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that is our heart. Now, Revelation 17, we're going to read half, uh, talk about it, and go back and read the other half. And so here's my goal as a Bible teacher. And the, the Holy Spirit is a real teacher. I'm a little teacher with a little T. But our fo- my focus is this. What do the scriptures say? What I think about stuff is not real important. But what the scriptures say are without error. You can trust what the scriptures say, even if I don't understand it. Okay, this is what Jesus says, so I'm in. And then what do they mean? Say that, please. What do they mean? You know, to, it, it's good to be in a setting where you discuss the scriptures and you look at them because they are deep 
and they are broad. And that's what I attempt to do. This is what it says. And whenever I teach, I always do it imperfectly. The scriptures are perfect. My teaching is always imperfect. I'm always going to be off a little bit. Everyone's going to be off a little bit, especially when you're dealing with the book of Revelation. And then the clincher is, what do I do with this? If the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I think he speaks every day to all of us, what, what is he asking me to do? What adjustments? What changes? Who do I help? How do I serve my family? Okay, are you with me? So that's the three goals. Are you with me? I'm sorry, there's three of us. i got to have more. We'll stay at a four o'clock. So are you with me? Thank you. You want to go home early? Great. Okay, Revelation 17. I'm reading out of uh, New American Standard today, starting at verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. This is John saying, come here. Everyone say, come here. One more time, come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. So in verse 1, John gives us the whole window for the whole chapter. This is the most important thing. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk. Everyone say drunk with the wine of her immorality. Verse 3, and he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. What color? And the beast was full of blasphemous names. Blasphemy means insulting the living God. So the purpose of this beast is to take the place of God. Having seven heads... How many heads? And how many horns? And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, having in her hand, what was in her hand? A gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead, where is it? On her forehead, there's a name written. And here's the first time you see this word mystery. Do you see it? The name is a mystery. And he gives a woman three titles. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Then I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why are you wondering? I will tell you the mystery. In other words, he's going to bring clarity of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So the angel started off by telling John, come here, I want to show you. So in verse 1, it's like a big banner. Pay attention. What's coming is very, very important. Another important concept is this word we threw out. It's in the scripture twice in the passage. The word mystery is very important. It's four times in the book of Revelation, the word. I will define it in just a minute. 
Now, I want you to write the reference of Deuteronomy 29.29 somewhere on your page. Some of you and some of me, sometimes we worry about stuff we can't figure out. We just go, I just have no clue, and I'm just concerned, and I can't figure this out, and I don't know what to do, and I'm panicky, and I'm all nervous about the future and my family. This will help you. The Lord told Moses to write this down and tell the children of Israel in the wilderness. Say it with me, please. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So there's two categories. The secret things, we have no business knowing, and he's not going to tell us. If he wants to tell us, he can tell us. So I'm not going to worry about the secret things. That's in his hand. But the things he has shown me, I need to be on it. So whatever he shows me, I need to be on it. Okay? Now, in this chapter of the seven bowls, if you're new to the church, you haven't been a part of this, you can go back and listen online. There's three series of judgments in the book of Revelation. The seven bowls are the last one, and they come up right at the end, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And so the angel that was one of the seven delivered the seven bowls, he says, pause. In this chapter, there's one focus, the judgment on Babylon is part of the seventh bowl. Now, on the screen, there's a rendering of what Babylon looked like at its height. It was a massive city. And so the angel next says, Babylon is called the great harlot. A harlot is someone who is unfaithful to their spouse. Or they are a prostitute. And I don't think this is about sexuality. It's about rebellion against a system of God. And this may be the biggest in scripture. In scripture, prostitution and adultery are looked at in symbolism as infidelity to God. Now, 42 years ago, uh, my wife and I stood before a pastor and our family and friends, and we both entered into a covenant to be married together, and I still have that ring on my my little hand. And that has been 42 years, and it's been a great relationship. We try to treat each each other better than anybody else. And we complement each other very well. We are are opposites. I'm smart, and she's, I'm sorry, she's smart, I'm loud. (laughs) She's smart, and I'm loud. That's it. That's that's how it works. Um, And so, but... Now, how many of you have given your heart to Jesus? Hold your hand. You given your heart to Jesus? Okay, really, you've given your heart to Jesus, whether you were 12 or 42 or 92. You gave your heart to Jesus. If you did, you entered into a covenant with God. Jesus is the bridegroom in the picture of Revelation and other places, and we all are the bride. Because it pictures, the, it's the best picture of a loving relationship. 
And if you gave your heart to Christ and you vowed that you were going to walk with him all your life and then you turn your back on him, it's kind of like spiritual adultery, right? And this is what got Israel spanked and destroyed because they vowed they were covenant people and then they served other gods like Baal and just thousands of them. They turned their back on the covenant. So this harlot, which I believe is a system, there could be one or two people at the top, but it is a system. John saw something. She sat on many, what? Many waters. And verse 15 tells you what the waters are. The waters are people groups, nations, languages, clans, and tribes, and she is sitting or ruling on top of them. And the system we just read seduces the world leaders into the deception of rejecting the Creator, rejecting the Father, rejecting the Son, rejecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Rejecting the Holy Scriptures, rejecting the body of Christ, and following this fake religion. Those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her lies and immorality. They're living in a stupor. They can't see what's clearly in front of them. They're just... They're spiritually stoned in the darkest way possible. So we next see the scene changes. And we're going to just go through the passage together. The Holy Spirit carried John away into another scene in the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm is a realm of angels and demons and God. It's on the other side of your breath. Your heart stops. You're now in the heavenly realm. Okay, and the heavenly realm is more important than the physical realm, right? And the heavenly realm impacts the physical realm. I mean, it's why we have so many problems in our country and problems in your family. It's invisible realm impacting your family. So John sees this woman arrayed in dazzling apparel. And it mentions specifically what some of those things are. She is arrayed in purple. Everyone say purple. And purple in this day and time was very expensive because you had to get it from dyes, from little snails that were impossible places to, to, to get to. So only the richest people, only the most powerful people. It's what kings and princes wore. It's beautiful purple clothing. The first convert in all of Europe, a woman named Lydia was a businesswoman, and she dealt specifically in the purple dye that wealthy people wanted. And she made a fortune doing it. And the other color mentioned is scarlet. That's a color of wealth. So royalty and wealth plus... She is bedecked in pearls and gold and precious jewels, which tells us this. This dark system is incredibly wealthy. 
Wealth brings power and influence. Now, every clue, every word, every picture is important. And this woman in scarlet is riding or sitting upon a scarlet beast. The scripture tells us over and over the beast is the Antichrist. And that is a man possessed by darkness that will rule much of the earth over seven years of the, at the end of the age, which is coming closer and closer. So notice a picture. You have the Antichrist and his political system, and he is supporting a dark religious system. It is a symbiotic relationship. She benefits from him, and he benefits from her, and they are tandem in every dark thing they do to seduce the masses. She is a false religious system, the woman, and her purpose is to work with the Antichrist to bring a time of world unity. Now, your little pastor works every week to bring unity to the city, but we do it around Scripture and Jesus. If I can connect with a pastor, if I can help a church, that's a great thing. But Jesus wants us to be unified for the cause of Christ. This is different. This is unified to support the dark empire of the Antichrist. And as soon as her usefulness is gone, the beast will turn on her like a rabid dog. Now, this morning, about 7 o'clock, I got a text from one of my pastor friends who I love very much. We are brothers. And we're trying to mobilize churches of Lexington to take one day a month for 24-hour prayer. Amen is right. Thank you. And uh, Church of the Savior's 24-hour prayer is the first Friday. So we come here and pray. You can pray at home. You can sign up online. But uh, how many many did it last Friday night? Okay, excellent. My time is 2 in the morning, and I got a group of men that pray with me at 2 in the morning. So this pastor texted me and said, I want you to know we finally got our 24-hour team going. We got all 24 slots filled, and we came to the church, and we were praying in one-hour segments, and then we found out this is the first weekend there's not been one murder in Lexington. Say praise God. Amen. Prayer and righteousness and evangelism and worship chase darkness away. It's going to be different because we're going to have an awakening in our city. Now, this woman's got a golden cup in her hand, and John sees it. And the golden cup is full of bad stuff. It's a cup of drink. It's a cup of intoxication. It's in her hand, and the intoxication are lies and deception. Spiritual warfare is about lies versus truth. And when a nation rejects this, 
when a denomination rejects this, when a church rejects this, they have no place to go but down because they have been deceived. This will happen in the last day. Let me just encourage you as your Uncle Steve, if you're not sold out to Jesus, you're sold out to something. If you're not sold out to Jesus, you think you're sold out to yourself, but you're probably sold out to an unclean spirit telling you to take care of yourself. And you're being deceived. The only way not to be deceived is to follow Jesus as close as you can. Unclean spirits speak to me every day. Uh, you're not this. You're not that. You're not this. You'll never do that. I try to ignore them and chase Jesus. It's always condemning. There's always, and you may think it's the Holy Spirit. It is a lie from hell meant to bring shame and guilt and tear you to pieces and chase you away from the things of the Lord. And during this time, the woman in, sitting on the beast, the people on earth will be no match for her lies. Because they will be on podcasts, they will be in movies, they will be on newscasts, they will be in books, they will be in sporting events. It will be the force feed for every child in school and university student, and it'll go on and on and on. I'm just trying to think how this plays out. If you walk with Jesus, uh, you're going to be good. Now, in ancient Rome, it was customary for prostitutes to have a headband, and the headband would have their name on the headband. And so John sees a headband with the names of this woman because the Lord wanted the people of God to know who she is when she shows up and what she does. Who she is and what she does. Now, since every word is important in Scripture, Verse 5 says, on her forehead, a name was written, and it's a mystery. Let me define mystery for you. A mystery is a truth that was once hidden. Everyone say hidden. And at a certain time, the truth is revealed. And her threefold title is this mystery. The first title is Babylon the Great. Now this is an artist rendering of one of the seven wonders of the world really happened. Nebuchadnezzar built this majestic hanging gardens to make his wife who grew up in the mountains feel at home and it was incredible. Babylon may have been the most important city in ancient times. But I do not believe this Babylon is a physical Babylon. It is a dark spiritual Babylon. Now, this is different from the historical Babylon. You see those gates? Those are the famous Ishtar gates that were built in the capital city. Uh, They were 
when Babylon was destroyed by the Persians, the sands of time covered it up. People didn't even think it existed until they found this city, majestic city like New York or Boston. And Nebuchadnezzar had bricks fired that were colored this royal blue with artwork on it, and they were sealed, and they made up this gate. When they found this gate in the rubble, German archaeologists dismantled it and took it. I believe they they rebuilt it in, I think it's in Berlin. I'd love to see it. Historic Babylon was in a wreck, which, even though badly damaged, still existed when this was written in John's day. Oh, look at this. This is a pretty good rendering of what the city of Babylon was like. Uh, Look at this. This is crazy. I believe this relief, a relief is, is artwork. It's carved in stone. I believe this piece is about eight feet tall. It's one of the Babylonian gods. They dug it up in 1860, crated it up, took it to Virginia where it stayed for a long, long time. And four years ago, they, it was taken to Christie's of New York City and auctioned for $31 million. Is there anybody in the room that bought that? Any of you guys? Was it anybody, anybody here? Oh, right here. Okay. This is an artist's rendering of what Babylon looked like. Look at the river there. Does anybody know what river that is? That is the Kentucky River. And you can see Nicholasville in the far background. That is the famous Euphrates River. This is what Babylon looks like today. Completely covered by sand, slowly excavated. You see the walls in the back. Saddam Hussein wanted to completely restore Babylon. He built a very big palace there because he wanted to rule the world from Babylon. Uh, The allies during Desert Storm bombed it. And, uh, but that's, that's this historic place we're talking about. Now, the next title on the woman's forehead is she is the mother. Everyone say mother. She is a mother of harlots. And I believe this is very important. What do you mean mother? We're talking about false religion. Mother means it's the fountainhead. It's where everything started. So, my understanding, the Jehovah's Witness that came to your door, which is a cult, <clears throat> good people, I like them, but they believe a lie, and uh, the fountainhead of this started way back in Iraq, three, 4,000 years ago. The Mormons that I've met all over the world, precious young people, they go on their two-year kind of pilgrimage and stuff, but they also are deceived by a whole bunch of lies, and there's about a billion Buddhists in the world, and Jesus loves every single one of them, but they have been lied to for centuries, and it goes way back to Babylon, because this great Babylon is the mother 
of all harlots. And if you have ever just dreamed, I can't wait to worship a monkey god. Do you like monkey gods? This is a monkey god or an elephant god. Uh, India is one of my favorite places. Anybody know how many gods are in Hinduism? You go to Nepal, like some of us have been. It's a Hindu country. Uh, 330 million gods. Mercy is right. (laughs) They've been deceived. And uh, we have people in America that think Wicca is a great deal. That uh, I'm sorry, you're lied and deceived. And you'll probably get possessed messing with that kind of stuff. It is dark, 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 dark. And it had its foundations way back, millennium ago, because she is the mother of harlots. And uh, we have people, primarily young people, who think Satanism is a really good deal. Oh, that's the dumbest deal ever. Look what this guy says. I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. Oh, brother, you're so deceived. You might know what this is? You see him on uh, uh, bumpers all over Lexington. The unity universalist people who essentially believe it's kind of like Baha'i. Everything goes. Believe whatever you want to. Take you in. Let's all worship something. Come on in. Um, We have a Unitarian church right up the road from us here on Clay's Mill. Bless them, Lord. Touch them with your power. Show them you're real. But ultimately, because of this one statement that John was told to write down, I think all this stuff comes from the the influence of unclean spirits that emanates from Babel. Babel is a real place. really happened. It's where rebellion against God, the first organized rebellion, I think, took place. There's a group of people listening to unclean spirits that said, "Uh, God doesn't exist. Let us be God. And so let's build something some glo- so, so glorious people will say, wow, you guys really are divine, aren't you? Uh, no, and that place is a nest of devils. There are places all over the world that are nests of devils, a high concentration of dark stuff. You don't want dark stuff in your house. You don't want dark stuff in your office. You don't want dark stuff in your car. You don't want it. You don't want to attract dark, dark beings because they will hurt you, lie to you, and deceive you. This is probably closer to what the Tower of Babel looked like. They have found steps that seem to go forever and ever buried under the sands in that area. Now, the third title is she is the mother of abominations of the earth. Now, that is a tough Definition to come up with. What is an abomination? Essentially, it's this. Everything evil, everything against God is an abomination. Horrible. Wicked. Destructive. Especially when it's a twist toward who do you worship and who do you love. Idolatry. So it's my belief, because we've seen this picture several times through the book of Revelation at the end days, this 
scarlet woman will be Satan's greatest ploy to mess with and hurt as many people as possible. Satan knows what's what's coming his way. Every demon knows what they're going to endure, but they just want to hurt as many people as they can in the short space they have left on this planet. So this woman is driven. Everyone say driven. What do you mean driven? She's motivated. The word there in the scripture, she's drunk. She's intoxicated with what? The blood of Christians. And she must be very good at it. Drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus, which means there will be more martyrs at the end of the age than ever before. Because just some of the clues we see in scripture. Now, will the church be gone at this time? I believe the church will be raptured prior to the seven bowls. When? I don't know exactly. But here's, here's what you got to consider. The text suggests so many Christians will come to faith, or so many people will come to faith, but also a lot of them will die for that. <clears throat> I'm not taking the dumb mark. I'm not going to do that. And they realize this is the wrong kingdom to follow and we're not doing it. And we surrender to Jesus Christ because it'll be a lot of people. How many people? I have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised if during these days, a million people a day didn't surrender to Jesus. I wouldn't be surprised. And she's going to try to take out every single one of them. Now, When you read the Bible, you kind of need to read it as a whole. You need to see kind of the whole line of thought. Revelation was written somewhere between 94, 95, 96 AD. In other words, Jesus was resurrected at least 60 years before this. So John, seeing all this, it messed with him and it would mess with you and it would mess with me. It messes with me today. Because John had seen, this guy is probably 91 or 92 when he writes this, when he has a vision on Patmos. He has seen the most powerful decimation of the body of Christ ever. And he said, when I saw this, it just blew my mind. And I just wondered, Lord, what is this about? And the angel knew what he was thinking and said, why are you, why are you asking what, why, why are you wondering about this? And then the angel says, I'm going to tell you the mystery. I'm going to fill in the blanks for you to help you get this. Now, one of the reasons John was probably so perplexed is this guy. This is Emperor Domitian. He was a bad guy. He was a sadist. He loved hurting people. There are people like that. And when people get in power who like hurting people, that's bad. He was a megalomaniac, which meant he wanted the world to revolve around him. The previous emperors of Rome had just kind of pushed away this worship of the emperor cult. He brought it back. 
People got tired of him and assassinated him at age 44, but he's a guy that persecuted the church for a long time, including tried to kill John numerous times, finally sentenced him to Patmos. This is a guy that completed, finally, that expensive construction project called the Colosseum in Rome. And you can see what he did with it. Now let's read on. Look at verse number 8. So the angel starts filling in the blanks for him. The beast that you saw was, is not, and is about to come out of the abyss and go to destruction. Those who dwell on the earth whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. I want you to take note of that. Will wonder when they see the beast that he was, is not, and will come. Repeat it again. Here is the mind which has wisdom. It's almost like John the angel is saying, be smart. Pay attention. Here's a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven what? Seven hills are seven mountains on which the woman sits. They are seven what? Kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was, is not, and is himself. Third time that's mentioned. Now, this is a mystery I don't, I don't get here. Also is an eighth, but at the same time, one of the seven kings. And he will go to destruction. Verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority. That's very important as kings with the beast for one hour. They have one purpose. Look at that verse 13. To give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the lamb. Who is the lamb? Tell me. Jesus. And the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords, king of kings. Those who are with him are called, look at the two titles. They are called chosen. And they are called faithful. And he said to me, the waters which you saw, the harlot sitting on are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. 16, the ten horns which you saw on the beast, they, now look at verse 16, it, it turns. Verse 16, the whole thing turns. The ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. They will make her desolate and naked and they will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the word of God is fulfilled. Verse 18 is the last mystery and I think it's the most confounding mystery to me. I read it for I've read it 50 times and I never saw it till this week. The woman who you saw is the great city which reigns 
over the kings of the earth. Now let's touch on these. Starting verse 8, the angel says, okay, let me fill in the blanks for you. I'm glad. This mysterious phrase is, is not, and is about to come, I think is a symbolic reference to the resurrection, the false resurrection of the beast found in Revelation 13. Right when he comes to power, Jesus said he would have a mortal wound. It is suggested it is a head wound. It will appear like he has died. And this will be on national, uh, international television. And then he is literally raised from the dead or it is a trick. And all the world will see it and go, wow, that must be the Messiah. Let's follow that guy. And he is sentenced to eternal destruction, which is the lake of fire. I do not like to talk about the lake of fire, but Jesus mentioned it enough to tell us how important it is. Sometimes I use Revelation 20 to share the gospel with people I love because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It is real. It should motivate us to love people, to reach out, to share the gospel. It may, it should, we should have tears down our cheeks. We should invite people to our home, invite people to lunch because this is true. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the verses we just read, said the people on earth that are deceived and they take the mark, they will also be at the same place of the Antichrist. I want to keep as many people out of that place as I can. No human was ever meant to go there. It was designed for the devil and his angels. But if they don't want forgiveness, they don't want to go to heaven, there's not another alternative And we see this phrase, I ask you to underline. The angel pointed out the importance of the book of life. The book of life has the name of every person that's given their heart to Jesus because they have surrendered their life. Now there's this mystery in there. The people whose names were written or not written since the foundation of the world. That sounds like pretty extreme predestination. Well, not really. Because God knows before the earth was even created, before you were born, if you would love him or not. Thank you, Jesus is right. And God knows who will accept his son as the Savior. And sometime this week, I pray you would read these six verses because they are true and so important. But the fact that the Father knows who will receive the Son and who will reject the Son does not negate a man or woman's responsibility. Just because God knows 
does not cancel out a person's free will. The greatest gift a creator can give any human is a power to choose. That's true love. Because love is not forced. And the wisdom, the angel said, here it is. Understand these things. The seven heads are seven mountains. Now you see these mountains in Canada. I didn't count them. There looks like about seven. Uh, another word for mountain is th- this word, promontories, which means a mountain or a peak or a high place. Influence, you see this and go, wow, that is powerful because the seven heads are actually seven kings upon whom the woman sits. So this plan has gone on for thousands of years. This is the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. The nations that would touch the apple of God's eye, Israel, Assyria is not here. Babylon is at the top. But the angel told John, of the seven kings, how many were gone at the time John wrote this? How many? Five. How many was present? How many kings were present? One was. And one was to come. I believe these are the ancient empires that persecuted the Jews. The devil wanted to wipe out the Jews because the Jews brought the gospel to the rest of us Gentiles. If the devil wiped out the Jews, us Gentiles would never hear the gospel. You see how that works? The first one is Egypt. Everyone say Egypt. The Israelites were in bondage as slaves for 400 years. The second... Empire, the second king is Assyria. Assyria is down by Iraq, Baghdad, and they became a mighty empire and they brought their forces up the fertile crescent, conquering everything they touched and they came down, invaded. You see the two countries. Israel was divided because of a civil war. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. They immediately took everything in Israel. And the ten tribes were deported and lost, scattered about the earth. There's the date it happened. There's a picture on an Assyrian palace of Jewish slaves going into bondage. The next one is Babylon. Everyone say Babylon. So Babylon took Assyria down. And they became the great nation. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem three times. The third time, he was so angry at these stubborn Jews, it took him two years to breach a wall. No food coming in. Nobody going out. Two years. Mass starvation, mass illness. And he was so angry, he burned the city. He destroyed everything in the city. This is a painting of his workers demolishing the two 
bronze pillars in front of the temple, Solomon's temple. You see why they're tearing it up? It's valuable, and they're taking it back to Babylon. It's the same thing Vladimir Putin is doing in the Ukraine. Everything he can steal, he's taken back to Russia, including slave labor. There's a date it happened. The next group, Medo-Persia. The Medes, some of us have been to Iraq. The people of Kurdistan that have been our allies fighting in the Middle East trace their descendants to the Medes. The Medes initially were the biggest group, the biggest armies, and the Persians joined them, and the Persians actually took over that. Look how big their empire was. The Persian Empire was part of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. really happened. It's part of the story of this young Jewish girl becoming queen of Persia. The next one is Greece. Everyone say Greece. And Alexander the Great conquered the entire Persian Empire and much more. He died tragically at age 33, probably drunk himself to death, died in Babylon. And when he died unexpectedly, this military superstar, they didn't know what to do. His four main generals fought over the empire for 40 years. And the one that had the responsibility for Israel persecuted the Jews like nobody else. This time period is where the book of Malachi ends, right before Matthew starts. And Rome was a superpower of all superpowers. Anybody know how long they reigned? Almost over a thousand years. So the Antichrist Empire is yet to come. That is the seventh king. Strangely, this is the part I couldn't figure out. He is both the seventh and the eighth. And I do not know why the angel told that to John because I have no clue why that is. It's just going to happen. We'll figure it out. <clears throat> the ten horns are ten kings. Who will be in power at some point in time? I guess European countries. Why? Because Russia will have their own alliances. Armies from Asia will come on their own. That pretty much leaves Europe, my thought. And eventually 10 of them will join together under the leadership of the Antichrist. Jesus said, the angel said, they will give their power and authority to the beast. Their purpose is this. Their goal is to revolt against God, to resist God, to strike back about everything about the kingdom of God and to attack his son, which is very, very dumb. And all these efforts are doomed to fail. And I just want to say this, resisting God is the dumbest thing you will ever do. Surrender to the Lord. 
Don't resist him. You're only hurting yourself. And four reasons the angel gave. One is the lamb. Everyone say the lamb will overcome them. The next reason is the lamb is Lord. Everyone say Lord, which means he is master. He calls the shots. He is the Lord over all lords. You are not the Lord of anything or me. Next, he is the king, the ruler of all kings everywhere. And the fourth reason is this. He will have some people come with him. And he gives two names to the people that come with him to deal with this imposter. One is the chosen. I love that. That means you were wanted. It means you were picked. It means you were selected. No matter what the devil says and no one loves you, you are chosen, honey. You are loved. You are special. You're one of a kind. You have a great future and a great purpose. There's nobody like you ever because you were chosen before you were even born. And if you don't think of anything else after we finish today, just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you've chosen me. And I want to serve you. Jesus said, just remember, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I want you. I love you. And the other description is faithful. Everyone say faithful. I love that word faithful. So he chose us on his part. Our part is just being faithful, which means I want to stay true. I want to stay loyal. I want him to depend on me. It doesn't mean perfect. I have never served him perfectly a day yet and never will because I'm just a regular old guy like you. Have you failed him? Would that be yes or no? I have failed him. But because we're chosen, we get back up on our feet. We ask forgiveness and we do the right thing. We serve him not because it's fun or because we want to. We serve him because it's the right thing to do. And it takes courage to do the right thing because it's easy to not do the right thing. But we want to be faithful because the time will come. We will stand before him. And we should serve him out of love and gratitude, not out of fear and compulsion. And we should serve him with a whole heart. The whole heart just says, Lord, I love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. I go to bed at night tired because I've done all I can to honor you today. Because we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Worship team, would you guys come out, please? Now look at this little twist as we get ready to end. To show you how the devil works. These ten kings turn on the false religious system they helped create. They rip her, they destroy her, they hunt down all the leadership all over the globe 
and they demolish the system because she's no longer needed. And God uses their vengeful, murderous hearts to punish themselves. It's kind of like this. See these men? They are made men in the mafia for a long time ago. If you grew up in New Jersey or New York and Chicago or Miami during this time, maybe even today, some, some young folk says, boy, if I can become one of those guys, I'll make lots of money. I'll have prestige. I'll have a family. Oh, no, you won't. You may end up in a trunk one day. Or these guys, drug traffickers, drug lords, gangs. I want to belong. I want to be a part of that. Do you realize they don't care a bit about you? They will use you, use you up, and when you are no use to them, they will turn on you like a rabid dog. Because that's what the devil and his people do. Adolf Hitler, you may not know this, in three days purged and executed 1,000 of the core of people that put him in office because they were smart. They might speak up against him. And so they called it the Night of the Long Knives. A 1,000 former supporters just disappeared. Because that's what the devil does. Another example, Joseph Stalin. When Hitler's armies were coming toward Moscow, he rounded up 300 of his top generals and executed them in one day. And Chairman Mao instituted the cultural revolution that went on for 10 years and he made a list and I've seen the list of people who were undesirables in the new China and they needed to be purged. They needed to be, they were Christians and capitalists and educated people and people that thought for themselves and in those years it's estimated he had 3 million People executed. Why, Steve, why is this? The devil was and is a murderer from the very beginning. That's who he is. One final mystery. If you have a clue to this, let me know because I do not have a clue. Angel tells John to write this down. Well, who is the woman? The woman is the great city. What city is this? It's London. London is the second most influential city in the world. But apparently a city or a conglomeration of cities will reign over the kings of the earth. What city is this? New York City, the most influential city on the earth right now. I have no idea. 
Could be a city, not even exist. Could be could be Babylon rebuilt. Could be Moscow. Could be Beijing. I have, I have no idea. So the clue that she that the angel said is to me not understandable right now, but it will be very important when the time comes and it's needed, or else God wouldn't have given the clue. last moments are for you. I pray maybe something has been touched in your heart, not my words. I pray that it's the spirit of the scripture. That something has been impressed on you, something, an adjustment. If Jesus is not your Lord, the most important thing for you to do is make him your Lord. I didn't say you, you weren't a Christian, but you're not walking with the Lord. You're just kind of name only or maybe you're watching online or you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus you're just a good moral person we need Jesus to be our Lord and Savior so we're going to open the altar where you can always do business with the Lord I love to come to the altar and humble myself and say Lord is there anything you're saying is there anything you want me to do Anybody you want me to help, Lord, tell me. But I just want to close this time in prayer. And you folks watching, you can pray with me. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If Jesus is not your Savior and not your Lord, why don't you just stop fighting and surrender? This could be the greatest day of your entire life. So in humility and need, just pray with me as I pray. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. Change me from the inside out and help me to fall radically in love with you. Cleanse me, Lord, and give me a new purpose because I give you my life in Jesus' name. Altar is open as we worship. You're welcome to stand as we, we worship.
Thank you so much that we're chosen before the foundation of the world was laid. Now, Father, help us to do our part and be faithful. Lord, I pray for your people. Release a spirit of faith this week, Lord, that we would hear from the Holy Spirit be faithful to step out and do what you are calling us to do for your glory, Lord, because you're the one who's worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in that precious name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Have a blessed week. Make sure to pick up your children. If you need prayer, there'll be people to pray with you. God bless. I hope you.